Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. We have our mini episode today, and we're doing Mom and Dad the Movie, starring Nicolas Cage, Selma Blair, and Anna Winters. Yes, so this one just came out, so we're going to air this episode on the 26th, I think it is. Yes, so the, you got it. The uh, week before, this would have just came out, so you could check this out on VOD right now in very, very limited theaters. Yeah, no kidding. It's almost like they're trying to make this hard to watch. (laughs) Sarah and I were looking for this to rent. We're trying to give them money, and we could not find it on Vudu, and we had to search. Finally found it on Amazon. So it was about $6.99, I believe. Nice. Yeah, it's a a weird release, and I think it's it's even stranger that people are pretty excited about this movie, and I think that's why we kind of decided to talk about it. People want this movie. People want to see it. Yeah, it's a little difficult. They're going to have to wait until February to even get the DVD and Blu-ray release of it, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I I don't understand why it's not a wide release. You would think with Nicolas Cage attached to it and the guy who's done Crank, Brian Taylor, and Selma Blair in there, there's some star power in this, but it didn't get a wide release. Yeah, people are excited to see Cage cut loose again. And this is a a more of a meatier role than his usual direct-to-video fare. So this, I would assume, would have had a better release. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking with this one, honestly. And I kind of wonder why this didn't get some type of, like, Amazon release or Netflix, some kind of contract with that. Because to me, it feels like that sort of movie. Yeah, this is absolutely like a Netflix movie, for sure. And I don't know what... What was going on there? Uh, I believe Momentum Pictures is the ones who picked it up, but I think it would have done better on like a Netflix. And it was a festival favorite. It played two of the big festivals. It played the, I believe it was Fantastic Fest and TIFF, maybe the Midnight Madness lineup. So it played huge festivals that are big for these independent horror genre type things. And it just, yeah, it just kind of floated away. Now speaking of Momentum Pictures. They've really had a rise lately because, I mean, they started with stuff like Zombievers and a few others. I think they did the Cabin Fever remake. Mm-hmm. And then now they've got Mudbound out on Netflix. So that's an incredible rise. And then when you look at this movie, Mom and Dad, which has some really good cinematography. So it's a nice rise for this uh, film production company. So I think we're going to see a lot more coming out from them. Yeah, it's, it's just really just confounding why why they chose to kind of release this the way they did, especially, yeah, with gaining momentum, for lack of a better (laughs) word, Um, and having things on Netflix, uh, whether it be Cabin Fever or Mudbound, both of them are, you know, often clicked on on Netflix, so this would go be right at home there, but just sort of burying it in a very limited release. It's only playing in one theater in Chicago here, and I think people were really excited about it and were willing to go see it, but it just kind of got dumped on VOD, and even sites like Voodoo and things like that that had the date listed didn't even have it the day it was supposed to come out. It was so weird because on Amazon we had to look up Mom and Dad, the movie, and we did the same thing on Voodoo, 
couldn't find it. Yeah, so it's so weird. Very yeah. weird, whatever they're doing here. So if you're not aware of what this movie that we're talking about is about, it, it let me read you the uh, quick little synopsis here. A teenage girl and her little brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origins causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. That basically sets us up for some crazy Nick Cage and uh, a lot of violence and uh, violence towards children as well. <laughs> yeah, this film has a lot of interesting edits to it. Almost like they wanted to be an art film at one point and then they kind of went back to like, hey, let's back off this a little bit we've got to actually show a movie and a story here but i do admit the camera is kind of a character in this and i think whoever did the cinematography in this had some interesting shots yeah and i think i think some of that comes from brian taylor's background with the crank movies and gamer and ghost rider spirit of vengeance things like those uh which have the frenetic constantly moving camera and he definitely restrains himself here but it has moments where Mm -hmm. that comes through his sort of frenetic background, uh, which I like a lot. And I wish actually there was more of that in the movie because the movie itself does have a lot of energy, but there are times where we lull for a minute. And it's like, if you just kept up that frenetic pace for this 83 minutes that this movie runs, it's a super short movie, uh, I think it would have been it would have paid off a little bit better. Now, there's not much character arcs in any of these characters. Essentially, it's just wrapped around Anna Winner's character, the daughter. Because the rest of it is just like, parents go crazy, throw violence yeah, onto it, the screen. It's just that. Yeah, it really is just that. It's like, parents want to kill their kids. That's the whole movie, and we see a little bit of it. And then we focus in on uh, Ann, Ann Winder's story, uh, which is she her parents are Selma Blair and Nick Cage. We just focus in on that. We just zero in on that, and that's that's sort of our movie. And uh, thank God Ann Winters is so good in this movie because she carries it. And I at first I was ready to hate her character as like a, just writing it off as another vapid teenager role, but she really transforms into a very likable character by the end of the movie. Yeah, she is. I completely agree. She was very good carrying pretty much the entire story and especially her little brother in it i mean they barely use the little brother they don't let him talk much and he's just a kid actor so Mm -hmm. i get it so she did a really good job and i wonder how old she is yeah i don't i have no idea i haven't seen her in anything else no neither have i so i was really excited to see her in this no wonder we haven't seen her in anything i mean it's all tv (laughs) we don't watch tv (laughs) yeah and we don't watch stuff like the fosters or wicked city (laughs) wicked city i don't even know what these are Tyrant, 13 Reasons Why was a popular show. I know that, but I didn't watch it. I think it's for kids. So, yeah. I don't know. She's great, though. I was really happy to see her carry the movie. And But I will say, they had Nicolas Cage, and they had him at 11. Yeah, we had him at like the level that everybody was excited to see him at. We wanted to see the Cage rage on screen again. He really only is in... I was keeping track. He's really only in the movie for like 45 minutes. He They don't use him that much. Uh, and I know it's not his story. It's the daughter's story. But still, they withhold him for a little too long, I think. There is something off with him on this film. Got like the bloated face. And Sarah, my girlfriend, and I, when we were watching this, she kept mentioning over and over she thought he was either on drugs or coming down from something he almost goes into a parody of himself sometimes yeah he's over the top but sometimes it's like a well-balanced over the top and it's fun to watch and it is it's a good performance and then other times it drifts into like 
how do I do cage rage? <laughs> there's, so there's well, moments where it works. Forgotten? Yeah, there's like moments where it works really well, and then there's moments where it almost yeah feels like a parody of what he's done in the past. Uh, I will say some of the slower moments where he isn't doing the cage rage, where he's just being normal or being sincere, are really good. You could see this is the comeback of Cage. This is the beginning of the comeback for him. Because there's some good moments in there with him. Yeah, his interactions with his little boy are weird at times. I didn't quite know what they were doing with his character. But again, it's really not about him. It's yeah. Honestly, it's about the girl and the mom. Yeah, and yeah, Selma Blair has more screen time than Cage does. But hey, also, she's great in this as well. I don't really think she's bad in anything. No. And, I, and no. I've always wondered why she hasn't gotten more roles. Maybe she will now that she's in her mid-40s, maybe doing more of the mom roles. Well, maybe more doing more of these kind of independent festival movies maybe, will help yeah. her out a little bit and stray away from some of the Hollywood fare. She's she's great in this. I, I mean, honestly, the three leads with Cage, Selma Blair, and Ann Winters, they're all great in this. Cage does have moments, though, where he drifts into... What is he doing? <laughs> but but <laughs> I don't think anyone can avoid that. <laughs> I would say, too, the plot the plot is what's going to hook the audience to come in. Everybody wants to see the parents kill the kids. It's a yeah, dark comedy. It, it's, it's, it's the thing that's going to hook people. But I don't think they fully deliver on the concept. I think they pull back a little bit, almost fearful yeah, that it's they couldn't too, sell this. It's too safe for a concept like this. It should be crazier. And yeah, we do see parents kill kids, and it's funny, but it should have been way darker. The hospital scene with kids, and I, I'm going to tiptoe around this, and I don't want to spoil it for you. They could have done more there, and yes. they could have pushed this. And I loved that scene, and I love the setup for the scene, but there's almost no payoff to it. Exactly. The scene is yeah. almost, the scene is pointless when you think about right. it. But when the song kicks in, you can't help but smile. It's yeah. pretty, it's it's funny, and it's a yeah. good scene, but yeah, there's almost no like exclamation point at the end of that scene at all. There, There's a point in this where there's a bunch of fathers outside of the baby's nursery. Yeah. That's where they could have gone like over the edge, and then I would have been like... <laughs> yeah. It, you it just, did it, but they didn't. Yeah, they almost went there with the concept. It just doesn't get dark enough or gross enough for me. As it, and I'm not saying that I need that in every movie. I'm just saying that's the concept they sold me. So I really wanted it to be gross. Yeah, I, wanted I wanted it to be crazy. Go berserk. <laughs> and I think there was a sequence near the end that I won't spoil, but it's also set to another pop song right at the end that is it, it delivers on the concept. And not, not because it's another thing set to a funny pop song with crazy mayhem, but like it delivers sort of on the gore and the craziness and the escalating of everything that the rest of the movie just doesn't quite do. Yeah, I agree. We also have a Lance Hendrickson sighting in this. I'm assuming he was on set for six hours. Yes, <laughs> yes. But a pretty funny little yeah. thing. And yeah. I was glad that they could have cast anybody in that role because it's such a small bit, mm -hmm. but it was really good to see him. And really, like an inspired bit of casting, for sure. It's it's definitely worth watching, I'd say, the movie, but it's yes. just it's too safe for me to say I love it. I wouldn't own this, but it's fine to rent. Yeah. I, if you are interested in seeing it, and if the concept intrigues you and you want to see some Cage Rage on screen, you're going to get it. It's just not maybe as much as you expect or want. And if you hate millennials, 
<laughs> you want to see some little kids die yeah. or get tortured. Uh, yeah, this is a, a good movie for that. To I me, guess. that's what I thought this was. Is like I, I was hoping they would wrap this round being like, oh, your generation is awful and we're going to kill you. You know, just like blaming millennials right. for everything. Right, and they could have had some great social commentary on you know the the negatives of millennials as well as older generations views on millennials that are a bit crooked we could we could have had so much more subtext to this that they just yeah. were like nah nah let's not do it and i'm not saying it had to have subtext because it is just a dark comedy and a silly movie but it was there it was present it was there it was a present for them to unwrap and they just didn't do it yes so i mean yeah i liked it um i will say uh, Brian Taylor has a show on Sci-Fi called Happy right now. I've seen the pilot, and that delivers. That was really good. I like that. I would watch the show if I had that channel, but I don't. So yeah. <laughs> I sadly have hardly any TV channels. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have the basics, but uh, well, I, because our generation has ruined cable. Right. Right. Damn millennials. We should kill them all. See, there's a little gift there for you guys, and you just didn't take it. All right. Do you want to move on to Twelve Strong? Yeah, let's talk about it for a sec. Let's okay. not give it too much time. So I got my movie pass, and to pop my movie pass cherry, the first movie Matt brings me to is 12 Strong. The declassified blah, blah, blah story of the horse soldiers. <laughs> Five weeks ago, 19 men attacked our country. The 12 of you will be the first ones to fight back. I don't care how long you're gone, as long as you come back. I know you'll make the right choice. We don't take that city. World Trade Center is just the beginning. We're with horsemen against tanks. You will not win here. Where do those come from? Oh, God. Twelve Strong. We've got Twelve Strong starring... Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, and Michael Peña. Peña. So, this was directed by someone I have no idea who that is. Nikolai Fugslug. Fugslug? Fugslug? Sure. Uh, whatever. What He's done nothing. Yeah. X, something called X-Phil. Yeah, it must have been. I bet it was like a, a festival movie or something that did really well and that Hollywood scooped him up. But he doesn't do much here at all. What a boring movie. Yeah, this is sad because before we went into this last night, I decided to read about 12 Strong. And it's actually an incredible story where they overcome odds, yada, yada. This mission was supposed to take like two years. They did it in three months or three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. It's kind of cool. You're like, oh, wow, they overcame odds. But when you get into this film, there is no fear that anything bad's going to happen. Right, if the, to the sto Americans. if the story is like look how incredible it is that these 12 guys survived this, you're not going to have any tension when stuff goes no, wrong. There was in the movie no tension because like you're like, "Oh, I know they survived this because that's how they sold me the movie." Like, <laughs> no tension at all through this entire thing. <laughs> and I mean, there's movies, there's movies that, like war movies that you know the outcome, obviously, uh, when they're based on yeah. true stories, but you can still raise tension and present an inter interesting story even if you know the story already. Mm -hmm. There's ways to do it, but this film doesn't try to do any of that. It is just like a copy-paste of probably a Wikipedia article on it. <laughs> this is a copy-paste war movie. It's true. Every war cliche is in there. 
Yes. And it's not, we were talking about it after the movie, it's not overly Americana, but it is, it does have the cliche moments mm-hmm. of, you know, it's not like a Michael Bay movie where the flag is waving every 10 seconds, but it, it's still like, hoorah, you know, brown people, bad, white people, good, let's go kill them. Well, they're trying to mix in <laughs> that some brown people are good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, yeah, it's muddy. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's okay. it's not it, the thing is it's like it's not good and it doesn't point in the right direction but it's also not like offensive either so it's like it's just so middle of the road that like I can't really have any feelings about it like at least at least thirteen hours Michael Bay's Benghazi movie was just offensive enough that I was entertained you know this isn't even like offensive this I is just still like, haven't watched it because I heard it was just there's so much bullshit in it yeah it's just like a bullshit movie but like entertaining as hell this one is like I said copy and paste so it's not there's nothing to it like I, I can't hate it though either it was a adequately made film and I watched all two hours and 15 minutes of it but it just didn't I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's not going to stick with me. Do you know what this film is? They put you in a situation where you're almost like, here, you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get the bombs to this area? I don't know. America's got bombs. Great. Love America bombs. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. he's just like, wait, are we going to kill them? Are we going to get this done with? What? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know what it was trying to say in that regards or like, yeah. I, re- I don't know. I will. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> Get ready to turn this podcast off, everybody. I, I think I do this every week. I say something that turns people off. I'm going to ask you a question. So when it comes out that uh, America really orchestrated 9-11, what is going to happen to movies like this? <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that question with a 10-foot pole. No. <laughs> I had to. It was it was too easy. I had to. Somehow you would get us into this conspiracy theory <laughs> bullshit. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. your trash movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, what's gonna happen to all these movies when the truth comes out? <laughs> oh boy, I'm out. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to some nerd news. Get those nerds, nerd, nerd. And we don't have much, but what we do have is kind of funny. I'm gonna talk about accidentally finding out that. Danny McBride may or may not be doing a Crocodile Dundee yeah. sequel. <laughs> a, a trailer mysteriously appeared online last night uh, for, we're recording this on the uh, 20th. It mysteriously popped up online of just Danny McBride acting like Crocodile Dundee and then it said like the son of Crocodile Dundee coming summer 2018. Did they film a movie in secret? Is this an elaborate Super Bowl commercial? Nobody knows. (laughs) I tell you one thing: if that piece of shit comes out, I'll probably watch it. Oh, I will tell you. (laughs) I will tell you one thing and raise you. Absolutely, I will see that if there if there's a Crocodile Dundee four with Danny McBride in theaters. Absolutely, we'll be going to see that. (laughs) Uh, So another bit of nerd news. Uh, This is tied into Mom and Dad with this Nick Cage uprising he's having. Uh, Mandy premiered at Sundance last night. And getting very good reviews. People really like it. They they are saying it is a cult classic in the making, and it's a great Cage performance. This is a it's a revenge thriller set in the 80s, 
from a super stylish director who made a movie called Under the Black Rainbow or something like that. I forget what the title of it is, but it was a super heightened stylistic movie. So Nick Cage is going to be in something like that. It just premiered at Sundance. At Word is it's good. So I'm excited for that. I will be checking that out whenever it comes out. All right, and it looks like they greenlit John Wick 3, and that's going to start shooting it sometime. Yes, so we're all set to go. The director of Part 2, who co-directed the first one, is back, and they're saying it's the finale. Okay, well, that's good. Don't overextend it. I wasn't as big on Number 2 as a lot of people. I didn't think it was bad by any means. I had some fun watching it at certain points, but Number 1 is just so damn good. I love number one. Oh yeah, I love I loved both of them. Two made my like top twenty. Yeah, no, uh, it's... it was it was solid. I really liked it. Uh, but I think the first one cracked my top ten that year that that came out because it it's was, awesome. It's great. <laughs> I loved I love that movie, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do with the third one. I hope they just don't go out and kill him though. I want it to be. Give me more than just that. Like what he if, could die at the end, but like give me more than just killing him at the end of what it. What if the dog kills him? Maybe the dog will kill him. Or maybe he'll just retire to, like, a desert island somewhere and be fine. (laughs) What if he has to, like, study for a history test and go back in time in a phone booth? What if John Wick 3 was actually Bill and Ted 3? (laughs) Nailed it! (laughs) (laughs) Greatest movie in the history of forever! Like, how great would it be if a franchise had the balls to, like, start a series and then have, like, the end of the series be another thing what if john wick is bill esquire right like how crazy would that be so i've always had this idea this is like similar to that so the fast and furious franchise has taken all kinds of crazy turns and it was never planned to be a franchise the whole idea was to just the original is a very loose remake of a a 60s movie or 70s or 70s car movie uh, a very loose remake, and that was all it was ever intended to be. And then it, then it made a lot of money. They made a sequel. Sequel made a lot of money. Third one bombed, and it sort of took on a weird whole thing. I mean, we could probably spend an entire episode talking about the franchise of Fast and Furious. But how crazy would it be if by the time they got to the tenth one, they said they were going to make ten now, uh, and they've made eight so far, so we're almost there. What if? They called like the they keep shortening the title too. It'd be like instead of Fast and Furious, it's like Fast Five, something like that. What if by the time they got to ten, they just called it like FX, but it was just a remake of that eighties movie with Brian Brown? (laughs) 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 That's what I wanna see. (laughs) Like the whole Fast and Furious franchise was just an elaborate setup to get to a remake of FX. Whatever, I'd watch it. <laughs> Sold. I got a movie pass. I'll watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did watch 12 Strong this week. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I think we're we're down to watch anything. For a second, we could talk about the trailers that we saw before 12 Strong. This is going to be a weird year for movies. Yeah, I don't mind the Tomb Raider. I, I looked at Tomb Raider and forgot it was Tomb Raider. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll actually get a video game movie that's okay. Pacific Room 2 came on. And I looked at you, and I'm like, do we have to watch this? And you're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing Pacific Rim 2 for sure. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll see it. I don't know what we're going to get, but I, I do. I love the first one as, like, a cheesy action movie. I think it's fun. I love seeing giant monsters and giant robots fights. It's it's a, you know, childhood, you know, dream come true, playing with my toys turned into a big screen movie. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but I really enjoyed it. 
I don't think there needed to be a second one though. So <laughs> John Boyega is starring in mm-hmm. it, and then we got I saw we got Charlie Day back in it. Yeah, Charlie Day is back, and uh, they're still trying to make Scott Eastwood a star, but I don't think anybody wants him. Nobody wants. He was him. in that trailer. <laughs> yeah. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to make us like Scott Eastwood, and it's like, not taken. I <laughs> uh, no. He's yeah. just done in my mind. I don't really care. He's boring. Yeah, he's boring. I like to see him more, like, he's he's the villain in, uh, or one of the villains in the Texas Chainsaw 3D movie, and he was good as, like, a villain. I want to see him more of a bad guy, but they keep trying to sell him as, he like, a pretty... He was the sheriff, right? Right, right. The sheriff's son or something? Yeah, and he's, the, like, the he's worse than Leatherface or whatever. Yeah, I'd like to see him play more roles like that than... Like, pretty boy, nice guy, good guy, all-American, hero guy. Because it's not working. I don't like him. <laughs> no, I, don't. I didn't even recognize him in the trailer. <laughs> He's so forgettable. Yeah. I think that's the problem. They're trying to make somebody so forgettable a star. Oh, yeah. Well. oh well. Yeah, it's going to be a weird year for movies, but I'm excited to take my movie pass to all of them and see what happens. <laughs> it's just video game movies coming out and CG slock. Yeah. I mean, isn't... Isn't that what uh, 2010's equivalent of, like, the shit we fell in love with in the 80s? So maybe there's going to be some kid when we're, like, ancient that falls in love with Schlock because of Pacific Rim 2, you know? (laughs) Oh, no doubt. That's that's a lock. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. I'll take it. I'll take Schlock over boring any day. That's true. We'll see. Maybe it'll be fun. I don't know. I just, like, when I watch it, I'm like, eh, okay. (laughs) Now, the one that I watched, it wasn't on this, but speaking of video game, the year of video game movies, the Rampage one looks like an utter piece of garbage to me, and I will watch it in a second. I I love that it's coming out on 420, because (laughs) it's almost like they're screaming to the audience, like... It's going to be really fun if you're fucked up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I saw the trailer for that, I just kind of laughed. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Is and they're playing it so straight, but I think that's what's going to make the movie so fun to watch. They're playing it 100% serious, and I think that's going to make it so entertaining. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll probably be stoned for that one. So <laughs> Whatever you got to do to make it better. <laughs> So what are we what are we watching? We're putting in a tape next, next week. What are we watching? Next week we will have a special guest. His name is Scott Roger. He did our opening theme. Woo-hoo. And we are going to watch Laser Mission starring Brandon Lee. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I've never heard of this movie before you dug up this tape wherever you dug it up from. <laughs> I got it from a friend who's like, "Here, here's a good action film." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this. I'm excited to talk to Scott about it and see what he thinks. And uh, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely fun. I've already seen it. So come back, join us next week for Laser Mission. All right, everyone, take it easy. See ya.